0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, reporting live from Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Y'all, I have to admit, I was wrong. You guys, I did not think that we would be in the position that we are in. I did not think we had a shot in hell. I did not think there was any way possible that Joe Biden would be our next president of the United States. But, oh... My, fuck, am I happy that's the case. Okay, do I have to be clear? I guess I do because it's a podcast and I don't want anybody coming for me. Let me just be clear. Was this my, was he my ideal candidate? No. Was Kamala my ideal candidate? No. I'm not going to say who I would have preferred because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all... all said and done but if you don't think that i am so fucking happy that this orange bitch this cheeto dusted demogorgon this fucking girl look how fucking orange you are ugh this fucking fascist, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, everyphobic, every ist that's bad. Fucking don't even have a dog ass bitch. Fucking your wife won't even hold your hand in public ass bitch. Fucking is that actually Melania or is that somebody else? That's normalized somehow. Fucking bitch. You fucking subjecting us to your... Big ass teeth. Family. Your progenies. Your fucking offspring. Ass bitch. Fucking. Can Don Jr. get anywhere near a clit without the risk of chomping it off? Ass bitch. Fucking. Is Eric even alive? Like, how is this man holding anything together? He can barely talk. Ass bitch. Fucking. Why is Baron so tall? You know? That's something that we should talk about, ass bitch. Fucking Ivanka, why were we even talking about the possibility of her being the next president? Are you fucking kidding me, ass bitch? Fucking Jared Kushner, the one I hate probably more than all of them because he acts like he has no idea how anybody gets where they are in life, especially black people. And this man is the fucking ghost, Victorian ghost poster child. For fucking... Fuck off. Fuck off. So evil he couldn't even keep those dimples. Bitch. The people... I... I... (laughs) Feeling a lot of things. Okay? I just feel like I didn't know how much of a hellscape that I was in and that we were all in. Until I saw the light at the end of the tunnel... With the possibility of, like, a new administration. I thought we were going to be in this hellscape forever. I was like, damn. January of 2017, it was like, well, fuck me. All of a sudden, I'm in the house from Saw. And the only way I'm getting out of it is if I gnaw my arm off. And now here we are. Somebody's unlocked the door somebody kicked jigsaw off of that tricycle and thank god I it's such a relief that I haven't even absorbed how much better I'm going to feel now that I can just deal with fucking regular racism now that I can deal with like a proud boy really really <laughs> Do you guys ever just think about how ridiculous it is that they even name themselves Proud Boys and that they have the audacity <laughs> to look like, like a, a G.I. Joe left out in the hot Arizona sun? You want to tell me that you guys are somehow more like superior to me? Within your genetic makeup? Stephen Miller? So, excuse me? Excuse me. I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so relieved. I truly never thought that this was going to happen. I had zero faith in my home state of Georgia pulling out and flipping. Wow. Wow, y'all. Shout out to Gwinnett County, me and Migos, the king and kings and queen of Gwinnett County helping and, in, in, you know, flipping. I, I can't, I could not believe it. The amount of like microaggressions, the amount of... <sighs> people talking about how upset they are that Trump is, was in office, was, oh God, was in office, well is, but you know, is going to be a was in office and you know, how they were too scared to talk to their family members about it because what what was going to happen, y'all? This race was way too close for comfort, but the fact that I did not think that we even have a, had a shot in hell of getting out of this and that like at su- some point, this was going to be like a full... Mad Max situation that I was gonna have to, like, you know, like wear heavy eyeliner and like armbands and like a, like a, like a flak jacket at some point. I was ready, I was ready for that inevitability. And now, you know. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. We're seeing brighter days. I'm like Diana Ross at the end of the whiz. Just like, let's ease on down. Ease on down the road, you guys. I am so relieved. Fuck. Fuck all y'all. Fuck every person in that administration. Fuck you, Ben Carson. Double fuck you, Betsy DeVos. You dumb bitch. Go back to all your seven yachts. And I hope they all sink. And I hope you're on it. And I don't care. And I hope for everybody in New York that that bitch never comes back. You can go down to Palm Beach where you deserve. And I hope you get skin cancer. And Melania, don't think that for one second that you're going to slither back and be one of the hosts on, of The View. Don't think that. You guys, let's stop normalizing the redemption of that racist, birther, Melania Trump. We're not doing it, okay? You see people say stuff, that you, you just slap their hands and then you wash them because COVID numbers are rising to rates in which you know, are are very not shocking but are very scary. Can we also have the conversation about like oh now that now that Biden has been elected, uh, we should reach across the aisle towards everybody that voted for Trump and be nice to them. Mm. Why don't you go talk to your family members and, and extend the hand of love to them? No fuck that. Fuck that. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? You're basically saying... Hey, you know that person who put you in jail? Imagine somebody put you in jail for four years. And then when you finally got out... Somebody told you to go and, and, and forgive that person. Um... Hey, I fucking... Murdered your family. Murdered somebody that you loved. They're... You know... 250,000 people, probably at this point, that shouldn't be dead, but are. Kids in cages who are never going to see their parents again because, oh, we don't really give a fuck. We don't know um, who, who these children belong to. Do you know how fucked up that... And we're supposed to forgive them because you thought that you were going to save a couple dollars from taxes. Fuck off. Literally fuck off. I don't have to forgive anybody. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Does that, what In what world? In what world? I'm just screaming, you guys. I am happy. <laughs> I'm very happy, but just like, let's really have some perspective. Pete Buttigieg, he got on this high horse talking, clapping back at people on Fox News for about six days. And now he wants to tell us to forgive people. Katy Perry, I saw your crusty ass. You want to talk about, oh, I'm going to call all my family members that um, voted for Trump and and I'm going to tell them that I love them. Okay, well, you do that. You do that, Katy. Great. But I hope you tell all those people, all the, the gay people... That support you and have put money millions of dollars in your pocket, that you are going to extend the hand of love back to your parent back to the people, your parents, and your relatives that voted for the man who 'd strip their rights away. Good luck with that, and I hope that works really poorly for you. I really do. I really do anyway. <sighs> You know, it just feels like, you know, like when your stomach really hurts, like you ate something bad and you're just like, Ooh, I know this is going to be a couple rounds of bathroom time, but then you get that big one out and it's like, you know, there's more to come, but it's like most of it is out now. That's kind of what it feels like. I'm still like a little bit sick, but I feel like also a lot of relief and I know that was gross, but like so was the administration okay okay and and I see you too Kim Kardashian I'm yelling see you too Kim Kardashian uh, talking about oh posting pictures of, of Biden and Kamala raising their hands up posting blue heart emojis girl didn't you just act like you were going to be fucking uh, Lana Del Rey in the national anthem video with Kanye by your side oh, I don't forget I don't forget and if you guys make it to 2024 for his uh, alleged next election cycle girl I will remember I will remember this for the rest of my life and I bet Courtney voted for, for Kanye I'm just gonna say that I don't think it's you know I think she did I think she did I think she did You guys, she did. I'm just going to say that she did. (sighs) Let's move on, y'all. You think Travis Scott did? He probably did with his dumb ass. Anyway, um, what else can I talk about now (laughs) that the world might have a shot in hell at getting back to some semblance of normalcy that we had? (sighs) I'm getting emotional. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Should we talk about Carl Lentz and his firing from Hillsong? If you guys don't know, he was the pastor, one of the head pastors of Hillsong, New York. Hillsong is the very famous church, uh, the home to Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber and Kendall and um, Vanessa Hudgens I was about to call her Carlson Hudgens but probably Carlson too who knows you know all the Gen Z hip kids went to Hillsong um, Rich Wilkerson who was over on at the LA side he was the one who married Kim and Kanye but we're going to talk about Carl who was like the really close with uh, Justin Bieber for a few years he was his spiritual advisor and they had like a big falling out a couple years ago. You guys have to watch. Well, you don't have to watch it, but there was a video where, um, after it was announced that Justin and Haley had gotten engaged, they caught him out in Australia, which is where the home of Hillsong is. And he like was being really shady. He's like, Oh, I guess I'm happy for them. Like, I don't want to say anything, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so, It came, what, a couple days ago, there was an announcement announcement that came out of Hillsong. So, the church's founder, Brian Houston, announced on, I think it was Wednesday, he said, Today, Hillsong Church East Coast advised our congregation that we have terminated the employment of Pastor Carl Lentz. This action was not taken lightly and was done in the best interest of everyone, including Pastor Carl. Uh, he then went on to say ongoing um, the fire firing came after ongoing discussions in relation to leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. Then he went on to say it would not be appropriate to go into further detail on what led to his departure. So he has been a pastor. He was a pastor of Hillsong since 2010. Um, he helped launch the New York location. And uh, he's been married for 17 years. So here's the thing. I'm not highly educated on Hillsong. But I do have, um, you know, an education as somebody who grew up in the church. I grew up, um, I was born in Illinois. All of my uncles... A lot of my cousins are involved in the church, have had churches. I, my church that I was born into was a Church of God in Christ, which is a, an offshoot of a Pentecostal church. Um, and then we went to a Baptist church when we moved to Georgia. And then I went to a Methodist church over the time of what middle school to high school. So I know a good bit about the inner workings of church people So I'm not going to speak for Hillsong, I'm just going to speak for my knowledge of how these sorts of things happen and the language that I think is worth dissecting. I think a lot of people latched on to the fact that they described his firing as uh, being a result of moral failures, um, a breach of trust and leadership issues. Now, to me, the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, something about this has to be sexual. Probably something about this has to be financial. Because more often than not, we see time and time again that these mega churches bring in a grip of money. Boatloads and boatloads of money People don't know what to do with themselves. And, you know, things happen. Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker, y'all. If y'all have not watched a documentary about them, run, don't walk. It is fascinating how much money these people make Um, under the guise of, you know, faith and religion. People will throw money that they do not have most of the time at these people because they feel... You know, that they are being guided spiritually. And I get that. I get it. But it leads more often than not to a lot of greed. And whatever. There have been no claims as of yet of financial stuff being the issue. So, gosh. So with that uh, statement came out on Wednesday. And then on, I believe it was like the next day, it was on the 5th, that Carl issued a statement about why he was fired. So he posted a picture of himself, his wife, and his, their three children said, our time at Hillsong NYC has come to an end. This is a hard ending to what has been the most amazing, impacting and special chapter of our lives. Leading this church has been an honor in every sense of the word, and it's impossible to articulate how much we have loved and will always love the amazing people in this church. When you accept the calling of being pastor, you must live in such a way that honors the mandate, that it honors the church and that it honors God. When that doesn't happen, a change needs to be made and has been made in this case to ensure that the standard is upheld Laura and I and our amazing children have given all that we have to serve and build this church and over the years I didn't do an adequate job of protecting my own spirit, refilling my own soul, and reaching out to the readily available help that is available. Okay, a little redundant, but fine. When you lead out of an empty place, you make choices that have real and painful consequences. I was unfaithful in my marriage, the most important relationship in my life, and held accountable for that. The failure is on me and me alone and I will take full responsibility for my actions. I now begin a journey of rebuilding trust with my wife Laura and my children and taking real time to work on and heal my own life and seek out the help I need. I'm deeply sorry for breaking the trust of many people who we have loved serving and understand that this news can be very hard and confusing for people to hear and process. I would have liked to say this with my own voice to you in person because you're owed that but that opportunity I will not have. So to those people, I pray that you can forgive me and that over time I can live a life where trust is earned again. To our pastors, Brian and Bobby, thank you for allowing us to lead, allowing us to thrive, and giving us room to have a voice you have never stifled or tried to silence. Thank you for your grace and kindness, especially in this season. Church folks love using the word season, don't they? (laughs) As you have done so much to protect and love us through this. We, the Lentz family, don't know what the next chapter will look like, but we will walk in it together. Very hopeful and grateful for the grace of God. Okay. So, I should also mention that Hillsong has a very problematic culture, we'll say. Um, there are apparently the, uh, what am I saying? The Australian offshoot, the original Hillsong Church has faced allegations of like very rampant racism, um, being against LGBT, the LGBTQIA community, um, being not particularly supportive, uh, towards Black Lives Matter and from my understanding Carl has been probably one of the more vocally liberal pastors from the Hillsong church he was vocal about his support for Black Lives Matter being anti-Trump that sort of vibe so I think this was like a huge blow to um, the congruence of his church because they f- felt like he was far more inclusive than the church typically is and there were sort of like whispers of you know maybe him being pushed out of the church because of his views there was also a rumor that he was aware the church is obviously anti-abortion that he was aware of a member of the church getting pregnant, having an abortion, and he was supportive of her choice to do that. Um, and so, yeah, that was the largest rumor until he issued the statement about being unfaithful. Now, if I'm looking at Carl and these, like, retro glasses, the moto jackets, the not even v-neck, it's like a, a round you know, like a regular shirt, but it's so low cut that you see the top of his titties. He clearly works out a lot. He clearly wears, like, very fashionable clothes, and I know that that's, like, the vibe of the new era of pastor to seem, like, hip and relatable, and, like, you can wear whatever, like, skinny jeans and You know, whatever, like, fear of God, clothes, no pun intended. And, you know, you can wear Yeezys and praise the Lord as well, right? I looked at this dude, and I was like, oh, this is a dude from that picture of him with Justin, and he's not wearing a shirt, and his... (laughs) you can see the gutters his shorts are so low I mean you could practically see the top of his dick and this was years ago just like I called him on Twitter prayer hands emoji Diplo like this dude really cl- cares a lot about how he looks that is obvious I thought yeah of course he cheated on his wife like yeah <laughs> Who, how do you not look at that guy and say, this is every dude on New York Bumble that says that he's in a long-term relationship, but they're ethically non-monogamous, and she really has no idea that he's out here in these streets and on the dating apps, fucking anybody that he can get his hands on. Like, girl, I mean, no shade to you, but I'm using the general girl, like, come on, didn't we all see this? Didn't we all? Didn't we all? Okay. So, I mean, just the muscles on this guy. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And I'm not saying he's attractive, but I'm saying, like, bro. This is a level of, like, vanity that I just think is a little too much for the church. Imagine seeing your pastor with his titties out. Imagine seeing, like, that deep V right above the hips. And I'm, I'm supposed to pray... And I can see that you're circumcised, sir. Put your pants on. He he wasn't even wearing underwear. Look at you! If you haven't seen this picture, Google this picture of him with Justin Bieber, Carl Lentz shirtless, Justin Bieber, and tell me that that man probably hasn't been slinging dick all below Fourteenth Street for years now. So, what was my point here? (laughs) picture is very upsetting it's just weird for me it's real weird so here's the other thing based on my knowledge of the church this is very you know church folk like to keep shit under wraps and they don't like to have scandal like this come out the interesting thing to me is that the church made a statement first Which to me is like (sighs) telling. To me, when that statement came out, I was like, oh, he must have done something so badly that they had to get ahead of this. Or something went down to where they felt like Carl could try to frame the narrative and blame them. So they decided to strike first and strike hard against him. Generally, they don't like to let shit out like this. So when Carl the next day says, oh, I cheated on my wife. I was unfaithful. My thoughts were like, "Mm." I mean, like, yeah, obviously. But like, is there something more to this? There have been rumors about him potentially maybe getting somebody pregnant and paying off an abortion. There have been rumors that he had been fucking several of the members of the church there was a blind item from a couple of weeks ago talking about how an international pop star was going to be outing um several people who had abused him in his past clearly a lot of people thought that was justin what that would have to do with carl i don't know i'm not gonna make any claims about anything like that not my business I think both of these dudes are straight. I, you know, whatever. But it's really none of my business. Doesn't matter what they are. Um, there have also been, there's been a pervasive rumor on Reddit that he, Carl, had been hooking up with the chick from the Carl Her Daddy podcast. The one who didn't blow everything up. I think her name is Casey. Or maybe his wife's name is Casey. Let me Let me fact check this. Yeah, so her name is Casey. Uh, Apparently she is a member of the Hillsong Church. She has vocally spoken out about them being friends with each other, him being kind of a mentor to her. That's been the rumor. So she, I guess, unfollowed him from Instagram, although he still follows her. She immediately went private when these rumors came out. People have been long since claiming that Casey is allegedly, quote unquote, obsessed with him, which is like not a word I try to use with women and men relationships because, you know, like we don't need to be called crazy more than we already are. OK, or any connotations in the universe of crazy. So. I. Yeah, that is an interesting development. I love to hear that. <laughs> Not that, like, I want him to cheat on his wife, of course not, but, like, you know, if we're gonna do it, give me a fucking scandal, you know? You hear me? Okay. I think that's all I have to say about that. Um, what's coming up? Oh, recaps of Love After Lockup and the very wild, explosive, shocking, landmark episode of The Bachelorette that happened on Thursday. So look forward to that. Um, You guys, I have a Patreon. I don't really often talk about it on this uh, podcast, but I have a Patreon. Right now I'm talking about the Bethany Ever After universe. I am on Wednesday's episode. Every episode comes out on Wednesday. This episode, I will be talking about uh, season three, episode four, the episode prior to that fateful boat trip. Where it's very clear that Bethany and Jason need to divorce. <laughs> it is real dark, y'all. This episode coming up is going to be with Princess, hosted by Pumpkin Podcast. An incredible gem. If you don't listen to her, you absolutely shit. Um, So yeah, you can find me at patreon.com slash ebbmpodcast. We have a good time. I also talked about um, Lindsay's. A uh, documentary on own, an hour into Bethany. I have some ideas for what I want to do in the future. I'm looking forward to that. So check it out. There's plenty of episodes at this point. If you're not signed up already, it's five dollars a month. Episodes every week. Um, what else? If you guys can give me a five star review on Apple Podcasts, it's always a treat. It really helps me. To, you know, the whole spiel. It helps me get noticed. Blah, blah, blah. I love the attention. I live for the applause. So, if you could do that, tell a friend. Tell a friend about my podcast. Follow me on Instagram at everyone's business but mine. Um, don't feel like you need to forgive your parents and your family for being Trump supporters just because Katy Perry said so, okay? You, <laughs> you've got the past for me. If you're feeling guilty, I can tell you right now, you don't need to, Okay. Um that's it. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love after lockup is next, and then The Bachelorette. You can check the show notes for the timestamps on that if you want to listen to either or. Love you. Bye. We're living in a new going to be living in a new era. Free of Donald Trump. And thank Beyonce for that. Woo! You're being crazy right now. You're Heather, stop the car! Stop the car! Telling you to stop! You're being a psycho. Sorry, I put the car in park. Give me the keys! Don't do this here! No! You guys gotta back up! You guys gotta back up! You guys gotta back up! After the show, at the DMV, Heather slowed down just enough for me to snatch the keys out of the ignition after I threw it into park. You bitch! You! we're in public with people around watching i hate you i'm on parole and someone could easily call the police and they'll come take me away immediately give me my phone put it through the crack and get out of my life i have nowhere to go i live with you all right y'all let's talk about love after lockup um wow we're like this is what the second to last episode before the finale i'm excited about that i feel like we've completely dropped a couple but i don't remember who they were so i could be completely wrong <laughs> you guys i'm just gonna keep it hundred with you i have been you know as beyonce was said i've been drinking i've been drinking not right now like i'm fine now but this election's got me shook so you know things have been happening my mind's a little bit fuzzy, but we're gonna get into it. Let's start with Heather and Dylan. Like we we saw them the least. I think there were about what felt like about forty five seconds of content, and also like forty five minutes of content. We had like a high speed chase. We had um, a fleeing the scene situation. We had uh, you know like every genre: action, comedy, romance not romance but you know like a tearjerker the whole thing so let's get into it so we are now on like a rabid (laughs) car chase trying to find heather trying to make sure she's not still going down one-way streets and alleys to try and i i don't really even know what her end game was but she was trying it and she was trying it um so last week Heather pulled down the GoPros from the car, so they're still connected, so we do get footage of, like, you know, just a bit of the sky, basically. We get enough footage to notice that she's clearly speeding, she's clearly driving erratically, there seems to be no um, reverence for traffic laws. Um you know it 's like like me playing grand Theft auto like i don 't know what the fuck i 'm doing i 'm like crashing into one car after another it 's a hot mess. Dylan is screaming, please stop the car. They end up parking sideways down the street i don 't know how they were able to get footage of Dylan coming out of the car with his shit. like I have got to go he 's telling the cameras to like back up, back up i we need space. Heather is screaming. Give me the keys back, blah, blah, blah. So we find out that Dylan is a very quick thinker. Okay. A very quick thinker. So what happened was that when she was able, when she slowed down enough, he hit that car in the park, grabbed her keys and was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. (laughs) That is lightning quick thinking. And that might be the thinking of somebody who's been in a situation like that before. Anyway, they're clearly in a residential area. Um, the neighbors, the residents of that street, come out of the car, out of their homes, and are trying to figure out what's happening. Why this bitch is with red hair, Ronald McDonald hair, screaming? Um, it's <laughs> crazy. It is absolutely. I have never seen a situation like that. Heather is screaming picture this Real Housewives of New York fans like, remember that time in Cartagena when Bethany started screaming at Luann about how she's slut you're a slut, you sleep with everybody and she went like almost catatonic, she was hyperventilating, she went into some other orbit and some other space in her mind, it was like that y'all, like she was like ooh Like the blacks of her eyes, just in another space and time. She, he gives her the keys back because she cracks open the window and is like, Give me my keys back. Take your shit. I'm leaving. His phone is in the car. So he is now stranded. He has no transportation, no money. He doesn't have an ID because she was busy beating her face with, you know, wet and wild foundation and all morning long and he has no place to go so basically he has to tell he has to ask production i need to call somebody and i need an uber so he's taking the uber somebody's filming with him he's in the back seat they're in the passenger seat and he's crying about how like he didn't think it was gonna be like this he's very upset he is Then he goes to this quaint place called Morrison's and we meet his mother and his aunt Carmen. So here's the thing. I didn't even consider what his relationship to his parents might be like. I just figured it probably wasn't that great. Turns out it actually is very great. And the reason why he's not paroling out with them and why he has not seen his mother very much, even though she's been very supportive of him being in jail the entire time, They've only seen each other a few times when he was locked up because Heather would flip her shit and tell him that his mother was monopolizing his time. So I'm assuming what happened is, like, there has to be some system in Juliet where, like, well, of course, with any jail, I would imagine. I've never even thought about this, but surely there's got to be a system where, like, only one of you can come once a week twice a week whatever their policy is and Heather I guess got so upset about the idea of his mother being there and I don't even know why I'm acting like this is so surprising since she fucking blew a gasket over her Aunt Diane I mean my god five more minutes in that living room with Dylan who knows she probably would have thrown her air tank set it on fire wow crazy bitch anyway he is at the shop in the restaurant and his mom is lovely and she's like you know what i will do anything for you you just tell me and aunt carmen what it is that you need and we got you we got your back and dylan starts crying because he's like still in love with heather (laughs) okay he says that you know basically and i kind of understood him that Heather had been with him, holding him down for the past five years, supporting him and being with him every step of the way, because apparently she wouldn't allow anybody else to do it. And he just feels a sense of loyalty to her. And he's like, damn, I was in this relationship for five years thinking that this was going to be my forever. And I, we couldn't even last two days with me on the outside. And that's sad. Maybe that's something to cry about too. <laughs> like, y'all couldn't even last 48 hours. She's almost gotten you locked up on multiple occasions in that time. Speeding. Oh my God. She's a mess, but that's all we saw of them. Let's move on to Quaylon and Chevelle. Y'all, I'm still Team Quaylon every step of the way, I think it is perfectly okay and reasonable and understandable that he would want to go visit his family in Houston. And that it's also fair that, like, you don't need to blow up his phone every five fucking minutes, okay? Give him some time to be with his family, with his mom, with his sisters, with his cousins, with whoever the fuck he wants to be with, like, give this man some space. And I feel like he's making it very clear that, like, Chevelle, you're rubbing me the wrong way here. And the more you get upset about the fact that I want to be with my family after 12 years of being locked up in jail, I like read the room, girl, read the room. He's only been gone a week and Chevelle's like, Quailen's been so distant. Like we haven't really spoken that much. And I feel like that's probably not true. I feel like he probably hasn't called you and initiated those interactions very much because you've probably been blowing his phone up the whole time asking him where he's at what's he's doing who's he with why is he there how long is he going to be there when's he going to be home call me before you go to bed call me when you wake up blah 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 like you're probably not giving him any space to miss you (laughs) to want to talk to you because you're talking to him every 45 fucking minutes so she's sitting helping Mayla her daughter get some food talking and then she gives a sob story about how You know, I just wanted a, Maela wanted a, not, it wasn't, I wanted a a father for Maela. It's Maela really wanted a father. She yearned for one, which I'm sure is probably true. It's no shade on that. But on the other hand, we see her at the table with Maela and she's asking her questions like, oh, do you miss Qualon? Do you want him to come back home? Do you want us to live with him? Do you want to live with him? And Do you love him? And it's like, this girl, Myla's six, if that. And at this point, the responsibility is on you. You have now set your own daughter up for this relationship that should have just developed on its own. And now you're acting like he's responsible for her disappointment. Now, does he have a little bit of responsibility? Yeah, but it's also, you you have created this relationship in Mayula's mind for her, and now it's going to be devastating. And that's really on you. As a parent, like, you need to be single parents, and not not that I am one, but like, my parents are divorced, and y'all need to... There has to be a protocol for how you introduce romantic partners into your very young child's life. Like, I was never that young. My parents were married until I was older. But, like, is too young for you to be asking her, do you love Qualon? Do you want him to come live with us? Because you're just setting her up for failure. And I think that's really fucked up. <laughs> honestly and maybe that's harsh but like you know you're the one at the end of the day who's gonna have to pick up the pieces not him so think about what it is that you're introducing into her life before it causes like lasting wounds Ugh. anyway so quailen's at his mom's house he gets a call from one of his sisters She's like hey i want you to come out have some beers with me we're going to kick it tonight. I want to introduce you to some of my friends. And he's like, who? <laughs> She's like, Oh, you know, just a couple friends. he's like, girls. She's like, maybe. <laughs> and Quailen's like, you know, I have a girl, you know about Chevelle. I don't like that you're doing this, but like, I will come kick it with you. I'll hang out. Like I've never been able to go out with my sisters and have a drink legally, go to a bar and do have this sort of experience. So of course I'm going to go out with you, but you know, the situation that I'm in. They don't care just to be clear they do not care they get there one of his sisters has a what appears to be like a casual relationship with eyelash glue because one eyelash was good the other one looked like it was having a fun time it's freewheeling bob dylan on her lash line we'll put it that way um they're having a good time, and then here comes Alyssa, and Alyssa's one of her, one of Quailin's sister's friends, and Quailin goes to get them drinks, and his sister's like, you know, I think he'd be the perfect guy for you, he's into music, he's a little bit older, I think he's, you're really his type, blah blah blah, like, you've got your shit together, I don't think you have kids, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing, and She's like, okay. Alyssa's completely in. (laughs) Like, she sat down, 30 seconds, like, oh, I like his dreads. You're telling me that he's a good guy. I'm gonna flirt with him. 100%. She does. She does. Quaylen's being polite, but I think any reasonable person would have seen their interactions if you were their partner and been like, yeah, I don't... She's clearly flirting with him, but he's barely looking her in the eye like he's answering her questions he's making conversation but he's not he's being just north of friendly (laughs) you know like really not giving her anything he's been he's being a very good boy I would say um Chevelle's blowing his phone up calling and calling one of his sisters like, oh, let's take a picture. Let's take a selfie. I'm going to take a picture of all of us. Hee hee hee. And I'm also going to post this on social media. Hee hee hee. And what do we find out about 90 seconds later? Chevelle is calling on and is like, um, where are you? And he's like, I told you I was hanging out. She's like, but where are you? He's like, um, at my mom's place. She's like, no, you're not. I just saw a picture that your sister posted on Instagram. <laughs> I just saw it. I don't know why he thought he could get away with it. I mean, granted, the man has no idea, really, how social media works, probably, so what do you know? Um, she's pissed. She's like, I don't trust you, blah, blah, blah. What's happening? And he's, like, annoyed. And I think he has every right to be. He's like, you're you keep calling me, and I didn't want to tell you that I'm with a woman who I'm not related to because I knew this was going to be how you reacted. And honestly, if you keep calling me, I'm going to turn my phone off, click. <laughs> and I love that for him. I really, really did. Let's move on to Jessica and Maurice, a very short clip of them. Really. We only saw Jessica go dress shopping with her mom and her friend, Tiffany She asked Tiffany to be her maid of honor and says, you know, I really would have asked my sister, but she's not talking to me. So I don't know if they had said, I think they may have did. But Jessica's sister has not spoken to Jessica in four years to what Jessica says is purely because she told her that she was in a relationship with a guy in prison. Does that make sense? Does that add up to you? Does that seem like a reasonable thing to stop talking to your sister completely? Because she's dating a dude in jail? That seems like a really extreme reaction to me. Like, if you want to feel some type of way about that, okay. Maybe if you, like, quote-unquote want better for your sister, fine. Fine. But to just completely cut off a relationship with the girl that you grew up with who's in your family and how awkward does that must that be for her parents and and how do they figure out holidays and you haven't talked to her four years behind a dude in jail that she wanted to be with? It sounds like there's gotta be more to it than that. Right? I think mm. Whose skin color might have something to do with it. I think she has some preconceived notions. Now granted, if I was a white woman and I was racist or whatever you want to call it. And I heard that my sister was dating a crip who was incarcerated. <laughs> I'm not saying I understand it, but I understand it if you know what I mean. I could see why she would feel that some type of way. I don't think she deserves to, but I just see how the trains get into that station. We'll put it that way. Um, So they're trying on dresses and I think that they, y'all, I think they kind of made Jessica do this. So Jessica says she f- tries on her first dress and it's like an off the shoulder, almost sort of like sh- sleek Megan Markle type situation. It's not really Jessica's vibe. It's, like, real, like, something that you would see, like, Victoria Beckham wear. You know? Not a girl who has, like, corn husk, yellow hair and who lives in Vegas. Not to stereotype, but, like, you know. eh, eh, Let's be real here. Um, The dress didn't fit. (laughs) And it didn't fit in such a way that, like, she turned around... And we could see the back of the dress. (sighs) And I understand that, like, sometimes we try on dresses that, you know, people try on dresses at these bridal shops, and they don't have every single size available. So you just put on a shell of a dress, and, you know, they'll, like, pin it back in a way to make you see what it would look like if it did fit you, and then they order you the correct size. But this was, like, girl, (laughs) like, this didn't even come close to fitting. And Jessica's, like, well, you know, I'm six weeks pregnant and I've gained weight in the last couple of weeks and like no shade to her gain weight at all, weight gain at all. And the fact that she's pregnant, uh, you know, from what I hear, six to eight weeks, um, you're not really showing. And I don't think it's been a couple weeks, Jessica. I just think that maybe she could have been honest. But it's been more than a couple of weeks of the gain, weight gain. That's all. That's all. But could it be production made her put on this really tiny dress to like exaggerate exaggerate the fact that she's pregnant? I it could have very well been that as well. Um. So the lady who's helping them, who looks a lot like Hoda Kopey, is like, "Oh, do you guys want to break out the champagne while we try some more dresses on?" And Jessica's like, "Uh, no, no." <laughs> and her mom's like, "Why?" Why don't you want to drink champagne? Don't you want to celebrate a little bit? You don't want to drink just a little? What's happening? And <laughs> she gets up and and grabs Jessica by the arm and is like, what's going on, Jess? Jessica's like, well, I'm pregnant. Jill, her mother, fortunately is acting pretty happy. I'm genuinely surprised. I have to say that I had some preconceived notions about how Jessica's parents we're going to react to this whole relationship, but they've been much better than I anticipated. So I'll give y'all half a point for that. She, you know, says normal things like this is very quick and this is going to be a lot for them. And a lot of milestones that you guys are hitting in the beginning of your relationship. But like, I'm really happy and I'm really happy to be a grandma. And Jessica, meanwhile, is like, Oh, I hope that Maurice isn't mad at me because we promised each other that we weren't going to tell my girl. He probably told about 15 minutes before you did. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> don't even trip on that. Let's move on to ooh, uh, Lindsay and Scott. Another short segment with them. We are the only scene that we saw with them is Lindsay has a friend come over to the house. And Lindsay's friend's name is Tarabelle. Tara Bell. Why? Why would you name your child Tara Bell? It's terrible. It's terrible. Literally, and figuratively, in every sense of the word. The woman's name is terrible. I cannot. Like, they gave her the name of, like, a very local drag queen. Like, please welcome to the stage, Tara Bell. (laughs) Like, girl, they named this bitch Terrible. Never in my life. Ugh. Anyway, Lindsay and Terrible are both in, both friends, like, in and out of jail. Like, they knew each other before she went in, and Terrible was also in jail at the same time with Lindsay, but only for a few months. So, they're quite close. Wink, wink. And she, Terrible, brings over all this makeup. She's like, yeah, I've been waiting for a couple years for you to get out of jail. And so, like, every now and then I'll just see something that you like and pick it up and blah, blah, blah. So now she's got this whole treasure trove of makeup. Now she doesn't have to, you know, rely on magazine shavings to do her eyeshadow. Thank God. So... They go up to Miley Grace's construction site slash bedroom, and it is in the attic. Or part of the attic. So, you know, you have to pull down the stairs that's, like, tucked into the ceiling, pull it down. Like, she doesn't even have, like, a traditional set of stairs to go up and down, poor thing. <laughs> and doesn't really seem all that safe. Not gonna lie. So, they're sitting down in this construction site, and Lindsay tells Terrible about Scott going through her notebooks and finding that letter and how they got in the fight and Terrible's like dropping some knowledge on her I'm not gonna lie she's like you know I think let's be real like Lindsay you're out of this man's league physically and I think he probably was just looking for any sign or any clue as to why you guys are together you know (laughs) And Lindsay's like, yeah, maybe. And she's like, you know, I also think, like, do you know how much money Scott has? And she's like, actually, I have no clue. And Terrible's like, honestly, like, maybe he's hiding how much money he has because he doesn't want you to take it. (laughs) Now, I think that Scott just is broke, and he's been pretending like he's fucking... Mr. Gray from Fifty Shades of Grey and is like super wealthy and is flying like seaplanes around. When in fact he only seems to own like a '97 Ford F-150, but whatever. Um. So then I look down at the screen and I notice that Lindsay and Terrible are sitting quite close to each other, like knee to knee, and they're sitting crisscross applesauce and. That's interesting that Terrible's hand is on Lindsay's knee, and Lindsay's hand is over Terrible's hand. you know it's a little close. I don't know if I would be necessarily doing that with my girlfriends if I was out of jail, you know. And then Terrible says, "Um Lindsay to Scott, know what our relationship really is? I'm like, oh. What's tea terrible? What's tea? But that's all we saw. So let's move on to our final couple. Nope. Second to last, John and Christiana. Okay, so about John and Christiana. Christiana's still out on the lamb. <laughs> and she's planning on turning herself in the next day. But you know what? John has done he's done the wedding chapel truck he has left um, $20 bills and an envelope along the river like she's fucking Tom Sawyer going to get some treasure along the Mississippi <laughs> he has um, invited her attic sister and mother to come and live in his haunted mansion of a house and this man is like, I'm gonna need some investment on or return on my investment, and that return is pussy. He is still not getting gotten laid, and he's gonna make it happen, damn it! If it's the last thing he does, <laughs> so he decides to take Christiana and a bottle of wine to a romantic um, motel six and get it on and poppin. He's excited. As soon as he gets to the hotel room, he takes off his suede jacket and one of those, what looks like, did y'all have one of those guys in, like, high school and middle school who loved anime and so they wear those, like, short sleeve button downs with, like, the horrific print and there was usually some guy from, like, fucking Yu-Gi-Oh or... I don't know. I can't name another anime, but like what, you know, you know, it was like a character button down. (laughs) What happened to all those guys? All of them ended up working up, working at Best Buy or some sort of electronic store, maybe like a GameStop in high school and in college. And they're probably making a lot more money than I am working in like futures and, and tech Whatever the fuck, but anyway, the shirts were ugly. So, who really won? You know, <laughs> who really won? Anyway, he immediately kicks the crew out. It's like, get the fuck out. He's <laughs> swishing his pants, swishing those relaxed fit jeans, like, really cutting a rug to get them out and rush them out of <laughs> the hotel room. So, we don't see them until the next day. John says that they were up quite late that night and the sex was amazing. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that Christiana is actually much more excited for this than I would have anticipated. She apparently, um, how do I put this? Christiana has a, an oral fixation, to put it kindly, and she says that she's really ready to suck his dick. <laughs> Listen, you guys, I don't kink shame, I don't sex shame, I'm very sex positive, but, like, the idea of, like, I just know that they integrated, like, their vaporizing into their their sex, there was just, like, a lot of huffing and a lot of, like, plumes of vapor, and, you know, it was probably, like, waffle, you know? He's still got those, like, ones that are, like, you have to hold them in the entire palm of your hand. Like, it's as big as a phone. It's, like, chunky. And you just know that hotel must have smelled, like, waffles and, you know, whatever the smell of their skin is. Just rubbing together all night, you know? And that's just something that, like, I don't feel, like, I want to talk about. Like, I have boundaries. I have boundaries. So let's move on. Um, she's, Christiana's not ready to turn herself in. So they get back to the house and Christiana's like, just like a bad kid who doesn't go to school and her mom doesn't like push her on it. She's like, yeah, I'll just go tomorrow. Like, I'm just going to turn myself into jail tomorrow. I don't feel like going. Like, I just want to spend a couple more hours with you guys and I don't really want to think about it. So I'll just... Saunter into jail tomorrow and tell him that I'm wanted. (laughs) I'm a fugitive of the law. uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, she's probably not wrong. Like, what's one more day? Uh, Once you've got a warrant out for your arrest, like, does it really matter how long you're gone? You're fucked regardless. Might as well kick it. Go get a big Buford from Checkers. And have a good time. Anyway. Um, her sister's not having it, and she's like, "Don't you think it might just be better if you just get this over with and go?" In? And I was like, "No, like I really want to spend more time with you guys. Like I really want to be with mom and blah blah blah." And she's just like, "Okay," but then in the interview out in the backyard that she does with production, her sister's like, "If she wakes up tomorrow and says she don't want to go." Uh, I might have to do a shitty thing and call the sheriff myself. Cause right now I'm harboring a fugitive. I'm not trying to go back to that trap house that I was living in with mom before this. I got a nice little bedroom all to myself. And I'm keeping it that way. So sister be damned. Your ass is going to jail tomorrow, okay? You are going to jail. <laughs> Period. <laughs> gosh so let's move on to ooh our last couple Sean and Destiny so Destiny you know we're still at the Riverwalk the geese have left she's still running real high from the stress of the fact that she knows that her case has not been dropped and they've refiled it and she's Probably going to be going to jail for much longer than the first original counts were against her. She's feeling a lot here, okay? Sean is still down on one knee. He opens his jewelry box from the jewelry outlet. It says the jewelry outlet on the box. she can see it. And uh, you guys, I'm never going to get over the fact that there are jewelry outlets. Like it just doesn't make sense to me in my mind. Like, how is that possible? Like, isn't a pawn shop essentially a jewelry outlet? It doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, um, she says yes, but not before. I was just like, oh, oh man, putting her hands up on her head like, you know, the coach on the sidelines before, I I don't know, like, a kick happens in football, and he's just stressed out. You know, I'll just put it that way. I don't watch sports, y'all. Um but she's excited question mark (laughs) she says that she's really excited that he made the commitment to her in spite of all the things that are coming in her future which is probably jail more jail time and she's like you know he should know that i'm serious because i have never been married before (laughs) i don't know if that's how that works but okay destiny and she says this shit is forever We are not getting a divorce. I will kill this man. And go back to jail. Before we break up. And Sean probably should have listened to that. (laughs) Maybe that's something that she should have said prior to saying yes. Just so he could let that sink in and marinate. Because I do not think she was joking. She was like, I will kill him. If he does anything wrong. So... (laughs) this is till death do us part and that death is going to be yours Sean so the next move is like Sean is terrible in basically every way like he's a liar he has set himself up for failure financially he does not set boundaries I mean the list could go on and on but the main one of the main things that is terrible about Sean is the fact that he does these nice things and then drops a the bump. There's another nice thing and it drops a bomb. Like, he doesn't know how to be honest with her without coddling her and beforehand. And that's some shit that, like, I can't abide by. Like, just tell me the truth. You don't have to give me the golden goose egg and then be like... Um, So, this bound that he has to drop is really, I mean, it's an inevitability to be honest. Like, (laughs) this is something that was going to happen. So, but it's something that, like, because it's clearly something that has to happen in their relationship, he should just tell her. Like, don't wait until you guys are, like, all happy off of the engagement. Just tell her. Just tell her. So, he says... I really want you to meet Kelly, my baby mama, because I want you to be able to meet our kids. And the only way that that's going to happen is if I introduce you you to Kelly and we have a good talk, she's comfortable with you, and then we can, you know, take those steps forward. So Destiny says a couple things here. First, she's like... I, I'm not really trying to do that right now because I'm not really trying to be a stepmom at the moment. And I just don't think we should introduce that whole situation in right now. This to me was like, I, I see the tactical end of this and I see the destiny side of it is like, For one, if you think that you're going to go to jail in two months, do you really want to build up a relationship with all 19 kids accounting children that he has? You know? And on the other hand, it's kind of like, I'm going to jail and I want to have fun. I'm not trying to play mommy to all these damn kids. (laughs) You know, like, eh, eh, eh. I kind of get it. I I don't think it's a great attitude to have, but I kind of see where she's coming from. But also she's like, you know, I just feel like Kelly was really disrespectful and I'm not really trying to meet her because she was disrespectful to me. And I don't really understand why you talk to her so much if you claim that you guys don't really get along. I'm like, well, girl, that's because they have a soccer team full of children. They have to communicate with one another like there's no way that you have six kids unless until they're grown that you can just not communicate with the father like if they're both involved parents like there's just no way also he's lying and he does get along with Kelly and this is like he tells her destiny whatever he thinks that she wants to hear and it's not the truth the truth is he does have a good enough relationship with Kelly that they can have a civil conversation with each other and that they probably have a friendship with each other and also that they were trying to get back together with one another like a year ago can't be that bad um so he you know tries another approach to talk destiny into it and he's like well it'll be good for Kelly to see us together so she understands that like I'm with you and we're together and, and that she can like back off What? Now granted, I understand that Kelly probably has feelings for him, but you have feelings for her, sir. And there's not a chance in hell that I think that if Destiny broke up with him that day, or any day, he would probably be hitting up Kelly the first opportunity that he got. I fully believe that. So, then... Destiny's like okay fine but if I beat her ass that is your fault so I'm just letting you know that right now Destiny's talking a real big game about how like they're going to need to bring body bags and blah 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 <laughs> but then when they get to the restaurant and they sit down her the first thing she says is well, I, I think I'm going to take my um, ring off my engagement ring off so that she doesn't see it. Why would you need to do that? If you're this bad bitch and you want to establish that like this is your man, why wouldn't you just <laughs> keep the ring on? That's like the symbol. It doesn't didn't really make sense to me at all why she would want to Though, like that's something you do when you wanna like break somebody in slowly into a situation. I just wasn't understanding that so anyway, we're gonna end the episode with an interstitial y'all know what that is, it's like in between the commercials, occasionally they'll do like a 45 minute clip from the show some vital information, sometimes it's just silly, funny, and but it really has no relevance to anybody's storyline that week But so I don't really talk about them all the time but this one felt important <laughs> we'll put it that way so this one was Destiny telling us about her preferences physically turns out that she is a self-described chubby chaser and she's like you know what I really wish that Sean would gain some weight I think it would make him a little bit more proportional and I love heavier guys because um the sex is better and because she feels like they get sweaty and it makes for friction that she really really enjoys and then she also said (laughs) that she likes butter on her rolls and i think she meant like sweat dripping down a chubby man's body girl do you if you like it i love it and that's the end of love after lockup you guys all right we need to talk okay um we need to have a serious honest just you and me talk right now the guys in the house are unhappy they're confused these are good guys and they're not dumb these are smart men they know what's going on yeah the path we're on right now we can't continue It's hard. It's hard because on one hand, like I completely respect the process of all this. I completely understand what it means to see what works for me, to see what doesn't work for me, and to get to know these guys. And there are some really amazing guys here. What are you feeling? And, and be totally and completely honest with me. No I totally, I'm like head over heels for Dale. He's amazing. Hey y'all, let's talk about this landmark episode of The Bachelorette. I'm using landmark maybe with a grain of salt. This is only the second season I've watched of the whole Bachelor franchise. So I could be talking out of my ass here, but it felt important. So let's talk about it. So we start off the episode with Chris popping into Claire's Casita and being like, cut the shit girl. Have you been talking to Dale? Were you talking to him when we were shut down for filming? She swears on her father's grave that that was not the case. She's never had any communication with him. It seems like, I've, you know, I've been trying to avoid like spoilers or rumors, whatever. But it seems like that was the case. I mean, I went into this season thinking that the situation between them was that she had spoken to him during that lockdown period before they started filming. And that's why she seems to act like she knows him so much and she calls him her fiance and all this stuff. So again, she swears that this is not the truth. Chris is like, congratulations. You just blew up the black bachelor. You can tell that daddy's mad. You know, I don't really know. Why he's so invested in this whole situation. Like, Chris, you're getting a check regardless. You know? (laughs) Why are you so mad? I mean, I liked it, but I'm also confused. So Claire then says that she basically feels connected to Dale through tragedy. And the parallels of their tragic life circumstances. Meaning his mother passed away. Her father passed away. He has a sister in like an assisted care facility. Her mom is in one as well. I guess there are a bunch of parallels that we end up being privy to as the episode goes on. I don't really think that this is like a foundation to a long lasting relationship. But like, I'll eat my hat if it is. Great, great. So (laughs) I would say that there were several MVPs of the episode Claire and Dale not being either of them. Um, we had Boy Band Manager Kenny. We had Jason. We had Blake. We had um one of the guys who didn't really speak, but they did a lot of close-up reaction shots of him, and it became very clear to me very quickly that he had whatever hair system spray that joe gorga had remember when they got into that fight joe judice and joe gorga got into that fight at like a banquet hall (laughs) and joe uh, judice slammed joe gorga into a wall and then everybody was like why is the wall have these black patches all over and we find out it's because gorga had sprayed to make the illusion that he was not balding what a moment That was, you know, for as much as I diss New Jersey as being incredibly boring, that was, that was a moment, okay? Um, boy band Kenny, it's also worth mentioning, and I don't know why it took me this long, because when you hear his accent, it really shines through. Kenny looks like Tyler from Teen Mom. The Midwestern accent, the bad tattoos, the like bouffant blowout hair it's like y'all see it right we all see it so curse has to go to all the guys all the bros all the bros are hanging out and he has to tell them we're not going to be doing any cocktail we're not going to be doing any rose ceremony tonight that was claire's decision and also dale i need to speak to you privately So Dale and Chris go away, and we're getting all these conversations of the bros. Like, Kenny's sick of it. He just feels like cheated out of this whole situation. He feels like Claire has completely dedicated her whole life and her whole bachelorette experience to Dale. And he just thinks that's wildly unfair. I was really confused about what the dress code was. Because half of these dudes were in, like, athletic gear. And the other half were in full-on suits laser and everything ties the whole thing okay so chris tells dale i didn't want to say this in front of the other bros but you and claire are going to be having a one-on-one date with each other tonight so get ready for that <laughs> so claire is waiting and she's like you know Dale's the man of my dreams. And I'm just like, I literally don't know how this is possible. It can't possibly be. Like, they had to have talked to each other during that downtown, right? Like, it doesn't make sense based on what we've seen. And they've been in at this La Quinta for like a week, a week and a half. I understand the concept of love at first sight. But I just like... I would just respect Claire more if she said, like, I don't really know what it is, but it feels right. Like, you don't have to say he's a man of my dreams. We have all these things in common, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you barely know him, girl, unless you've been talking to him already. It doesn't make any sense. Jason... is going off about you know I was a little bit weird weirded out by it initially but then I was like you know what Jason had to on the very first date on the very first day basically bare his whole soul he had to uh, howl at the moon scream into a mountain and basically reveal that he is an emotionally unavailable fuckboy in front of all of America and you know what at that point I was on his side you know, he had to bear his complete soul (laughs) in a 20 minute date to this woman. And now look at where he is. No return on that investment whatsoever. So basically, they go on this date, Claire and Dale. She's in this red sequined dress. Giovanni, I'm sure. And she does this whole spiel about how whatever the fuck <laughs> I never knew I'm had bad relationship after bad relationship and I never knew it could be like this and it's just so strange to be telling you that I feel so strongly about you but like I'm in love with you and he's like yeah I'm in love with you too and then they walk they walk like 50 feet away and all of a sudden there's some man in a scarf, he's playing keyboard with a blonde lady, it's like a school talent show and I looked at the Chiron and I can't really remember what it said but it led me to remember it was like a hammer to the back of my skull remembering that there was a season of the Bachelor or Bachelorette I don't know if this was like a co-ed situation that they were all like musicians and stuff Ooh. I'm assuming that all they did were, like, different versions of covers of, like, like the script. (laughs) That's a band that does break even? I think so. And it reminded me of, like, why I can't watch a show in normal circumstances. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery, soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. hearing people say that that season was actually really good, but, like, was it good because it was fucking corny? Like, was it adult glee? Or was it good because it was actually romantic? And, like, don't answer that, because if you tell me that you actually found it romantic and heartwarming, like, I will block you. I don't believe it. I will not take your word for it. I'm hitting that block button real fast, and you'll never see my face again, okay? I'm not even kidding. (laughs) So, then... We come back from the commercial break. It's the following morning, the morning after these these people allegedly claim that they're in love with each other. The red Giovanni dress is on the floor. They're in bed. Like, fucking... I I don't even know. The couple from The Notebook. Dale's bare bird chest with his titty tattoo cuddled up and she's like so what do we do now and I'm just like girl this man has never had any opinion that hasn't been an exact echo and mirror of the thing that you just said so I don't know why you're expecting some sort of long-form answer as to like as though he's going to have an explanation as to what they are going to be doing and what path they need to be taking forward I'm like girl come on um. then gosh what happened she says Dale they separate she's in her casita alone she's like you know Dale's what you get when you don't settle I'm like <laughs> is he <laughs> Chris comes over back to the casita and he's like you know I told Dale that I don't love it and guess what he didn't run away <laughs> Claire Claire then Chris basically says, okay, well, the next move is that Dale has to propose to you because we already got this ring from Neil Lane, this $2,500 ring, and somebody needs to put it on. It's already in your size. We try to fit it on Tasia. She's a different size. You will be wearing this ring. You will be proposed to. That was a a plot twist, if you will, that I did not expect. <laughs> if it were me... And if I were Chris Harrison, I'd be like, pack your knives and go, girl. You just ruined this whole situation. I don't know if I'm gonna get my full check for the full season yet. So you gotta kick rocks. But apparently, she is now getting engaged to a man that she claims that she only spoke to 10 days ago or however long and that she spent upwards of an, an hour and a half, I would say. And I think I'm being generous and Seemed like 45 of those minutes, maybe even 65 of those minutes, were just them making out. Do you think, like, there's no chance in the world he gave her an orgasm, right? Like, not a chance in the world. I, Claire has that energy of a woman who really doesn't know what it's like to have an orgasm. Like, she's just so into the guys and there's so much emotion involved. Like, you guys know that there's a difference between, like, a physical orgasm and an emotional one. Y'all feel me? It's, like, sometimes people enjoy the sex because they love the person, not because it's, like, technically very good. Y'all feel me? And I think that's, like, she's just so smitten with Dale that, like, Dale, honestly, like, he seems like, you guys, like, he seems like he's an aggressive fingerer. Okay? And maybe I should have put a warning before that, but these thoughts are all coming to me now like I know a guy who's bad in bed when I see them I may be a single woman in Manhattan but that gives you a lot of knowledge and I just you know I'm like fucking robocop of when I'm gonna what's the probability of me getting a an orgasm I'm like Steve Kornacki I've got the, the the calculations running in my head at all times Dale I can guarantee you Is a very selfish lover. I doubt. I think he's probably very aggressive. With the clit. And he thinks. He's really doing work. And he's like not. You know. He seems kind of like he's really. Kind of lazy. And does like girl on top a lot. Not because she likes it. But because he just doesn't feel like doing work. And I know he's an athlete. But. You know. That's just my estimation. Sound off in the comments if you agree. But I feel very strongly about that. Let's move on. I'm sorry, you guys. Let's move on. So, I just, I have a headache. (laughs) So Claire then is basically like, okay, I'm getting engaged. She does this absolutely psychotic thing where she picks up her little white dog and is like giggling around her casita the dog is like please put me down like I feel unsafe stranger danger I know you're my mommy but like this is not who this is not the woman that I know and I really would like to sit down Um she has to tell the bros that she's basically breaking up with all of them and <laughs> she's like you know I just have too much respect for you guys to lead you on <laughs> it's like I don't <laughs> why, why do we why do people play this game? Why do people do this? It's not that you have too much respect for the person that you're dumping, it's that you are good and it's like I'm done with this. We don't have to write wrap this up in this respect bow, we don't have to do it. Don't play the game. I found a guy, I think he's hot. I don't think that any of you guys are any more attractive. I think. I found as good as I'm gonna get and that's it. Bye. Just say that. I would have loved her a lot more for that. So, Kenny, King Kenny, then says, I just, like, he's very adamant and very keen and really has been saying this whole time I think that you and Dale have been speaking, so what's t-bitch like did you talk to him before and i just need to know like what were the rumors what led him to believe that what led him to think that did dale say something did he like who squealed because i don't feel like you come to that conclusion out of nowhere And like, yeah, I understand that the guys, you know, they announced who the bachelorette was going to be. All these guys came into the situation knowing who she was. They had just as much DM access as anybody else would have. And I just, I just really, I think there's more to that story as to why he feels so strongly about this being a possibility. Again, she says, I swear up and down. Not a DM, not a tweet, not any, not a messenger pigeon, nothing. We have not spoken one word to each other prior to seeing each other on the show. And then Kenny says (laughs) that she needs to apologize to the group. (laughs) Uh, She's like, why would I apologize? He says, because you were never invested in any of us except for Dale this entire time and basically you were faking it when really you were into Dale from day one and you were faking it with everybody else and she should have just admitted that she was in love with him from the first night okay okay you might have a point there <laughs> but asking this woman to apologize to everybody <laughs> that was a bold move kenny and i respect you for that like i wouldn't want to be in a room with you but i did think that that was great television so she leaves and then she like falls right into the arms of production this lady who we've seen her face blurred out with the mask on the entire time i'm assuming it's the same woman can't see her but it she has the same energy she's crying about like I've just never had so many great guys be so supportive of me and so into me. And like, am I making the wrong decision? And it's like, girl, you should have thought about that. When you gave the rose to yourself, (laughs) you should have thought about that when you, not a chance in hell. You like you, I think Claire knew this was not a good look. And I think production had probably insinuated Very clear that Chris felt disappointed in her. Something in her knew that this was not going to be the best look for her. And I think initially she thought, like, oh, it's so great. Like, I found somebody so early. Wow, what a great season or, you know, what a great television show I just made. And then I think she realized, oh, no, this isn't the case. So, like, let me drop a couple tears into this producer's arms and say, like, how great all of these guys were. (laughs) Okay. I saw right through that, Claire. Saw right through it. So, then we see her getting engaged, and I feel like the white dress with the built-in collar, the, like, built-in blingy gemstone collar, and the, the deep back was basically every, like, I'm recalling about eight housewives that have worn that exact same dress at a reunion or some sort of, you know, like, fancy party where Lisa Rinna gets mad at Eric Jane for something. (sighs) I want to know about the wardrobe. If you guys know the tea about the wardrobe and where the women get their dresses from, like, I would like to know that. So then she says in her speech to Dale, because she talks about like how in love she is and like, you know, a moment like this, some people wait a lifetime and she's like, you, you continuously show up for me and you're there for me. And it's like, yeah, girl, he has to, he's contractually obligated to show up for you because you're the bachelorette. (laughs) He can't just sit in the casita and not, not, not do it. Of course he has to show up. He has has to show up for you. (laughs) You could literally say anybody in the immediate vicinity continuously shows up for you because this is your show, girl. That's the whole point is that they're supposed to show up for you. (laughs) He basically says, again, the exact same things that she just said to him. You're always there for me. I can't believe it oh my gosh, our lives are so entwined and somehow everything that you say to me is something that also happened. When they had that one-on-one dinner, she was talking about how her father hitchhiked to go see his mom, her mom, and they were married for 40 years and then suddenly also Dale's dad hitchhiked to go see his mother and they were married for 40 years how did that happen girl how did that happen the probability <laughs> and like and is that something to like again is that something that you build a foundation on your dad he, both of your dads were too broke to have a car and somehow they got the girl this is some like the greatest love story of all time no it was the 70s that's just what happened okay Anyway. So, he gets down on one knee and she goes, "You doing it?" <laughs> "You doing it?" It's like, "Yeah, girl. Chris told you that you had to get engaged." You're in this white dress <laughs> from the Kyle by Alien to Winter collection. Like, what did you think was going to happen? "You doing it?" Okay. So, the bros have no idea that this is happening, and I don't really see how that is possible because they're not filming. I'm wondering like because it seems like some of these guys are roommates, and some of these guys aren't we're led to believe that Bennett has like this double fireplace casita, but then some of these guys keep alluding to the fact that they're they live together. And I'm just very confused, like, did somebody live with Dale or did Dale live by himself? Because clearly they must know, like, Dale keeps going out to film. Somebody is filming something. We're not just, like, kept in the dark. But allegedly, Chris has to tell the bros, just so you know, they went on a date. They're engaged. They're off the La Quinta property. And they're living their best lives. So here's what's going to happen. We have another Bachelorette. And this brings up another question is, if they didn't know that this was going to happen, and I'm talking about production, how did they just have Teja waiting in the wings? Because this would make sense in a different world. Like, okay, yeah, you guys probably had a short list of potential women. Secondly, is Teja part of the Bachelorette universe? Has she been on the show before? My next question is, because of COVID, she... They probably would have had some protocols that she would have had to quarantine for a couple of weeks. So, how were they able to get her on the show so quickly? If they had thought about it, they would say, you guys have two weeks to think about this? I I don't know. I don't know. So, Chris is basically like, okay, there are 16 of you left. You guys can choose whether or not you want to continue this with another woman. And that's up to you. You have until tonight to think about it, and if you decide to do it, show up in your suit ready to go. Jason has been having a very hard time because he apparently was so invested in in uh Claire. And he doesn't know how he can get out of that mind frame. And it's like, I I get that. Blake said that he bought a whole book about dementia and Alzheimer's to learn about her mom and her situation. And everything that he's been thinking about for the past few months has been about Claire. Okay, sure. Kenny says, I never even did anything yet. (laughs) Meaning he didn't have like any sort of one-on-one or quality time with Claire. I never even did anything yet. So he's ready to go. So my concern as a black woman is, okay, Tasia is a black woman. She's the next bachelorette. She's a beautiful, beautiful girl. But we all know that most of these pairings, because she's black, are going to be interracial. And I know that there have been studies that show that when it comes to interracial relationships... The least desirable options are black women and Asian men. They are on the dating apps in terms of interracial relationships. Bottom of the barrel in terms of people who get, you know, right swiped or whatever. Accepted. Chosen. They get the least amount of messages. So my thought was, like, of course she's very beautiful. But what if these guys are, like, just not into her because they're not attracted to black women whatever that might mean that was really concerning for me and I wonder if anybody on production or even Tasia considered that like what if these guys just aren't into me and that made me feel like kind of sad for her because especially they have a preview for the next episode where Chris alludes to something about like "Mm, this isn't working we're gonna have to do something new again to try and make this work. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Drama. Drama. Okay, y'all.